Former Alberta Premier and current Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley announced she's stepping down as the head of Alberta's main left-wing party. The move, expected after last spring's election defeat to Danielle Smith's United Conservatives, sparks a leadership contest that could ultimately shape the progressive movement not just in Alberta but in Canada. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Calgary Herald columnist Don Braid joins me to discuss Notley's legacy, where the provincial party goes from here, and whether the former premier has ambitions beyond Alberta. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Don, there was big news on the Alberta political front this week. Rachel Notley announced that she was stepping down as leader of the Alberta NDP. And I'm curious, you know, why did Rachel Notley decide now was her time to step away? I think, you know, reputation matters to these people. And I think one of the things that she was probably concerned about personally is putting another three years of slogging into this and then becoming probably the only uh, living politician in Canada who's won one election and then lost three more as a party leader. Uh, because she's already two and one, and or one and two, <laughs> one and three doesn't seem so. So that's just one, one element of it. But I also, you know, got the feeling toward the end of the the game that Rachel was a somewhat off her game. Like if you remember her in 2015, Dave, she was she was really something. I mean, she was just bang on point. She seemed to get every sense of the province almost every time she opened her mouth. Mm-hmm. And this time, on debate night, she didn't do so well. It's It was a much more complex election, obviously, than the 2015 one, where they just came out of nowhere and won the thing in terms of issues and all sorts of and history and baggage and all that that she had. But And, you know, I think she probably just feels maybe maybe it's time for her to go and maybe she lost a step or two. She would acknowledge that, I'm sure. And it's interesting that she, uh, you know, when she talks about her legacy, she doesn't even talk about the victory. She talks about leaving a a two-party province. So, yeah, the reasons both personal and political. The party is also getting a little restless ever since she said she was going to think about it. Uh, Naturally so, that always happens. And after you've done that and put the party into a state of thinking about this, "Hmm, let's see what's next, and then suddenly you hold a news conference to say you're staying, uh, that generally doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was curious about the the choice the of announcing that she's going to resign as leader, but not stepping away from the leadership now. Like it, it's a caucus of nearly 40 MLAs. And I assume that they have many who could probably step in as interim leader, or is this choice to, to stick around through the leadership contest to just give a, a steady face for the party and to make sure that everyone who wants to run can run without that pressure of having to say, well, I'll take it for a few months knowing that I can't run for the permanent position. Uh, yeah, I think it makes every sense that she's staying on as leader. First of all, she has a lot of authority that she's really respected. Uh, if she stepped aside and somebody was interim leader, uh, um, the caucus might be ill-disciplined, might fall apart. They'd be running for it themselves. So so things could, could really get out of hand. And I think Rachel, with her reputation in the party and the respect she has in the party, uh, and in the caucus, uh, she'll be able to hold it together. And also, we should remember that Jason Kenney, when he when he said he was going to step down, he did the same the same thing. He stayed on for months. In fact, Kenney used the time until uh, Smith came in and took office to fulfill almost everything that was in the mandate he was elected on. And he just said, "The hell with it. I'm not going to be a, a, a caretaker." Premier, I was elected to do these things, and I'm going to do them. And he he got deeply annoying 
Uh, but of course, not Natalie's not in that situation. She can't enact anything. But but I think it makes sense for her to do that. Yeah. Now, when we look back at Rachel Notley's legacy as a politician, she was the first NDP premier of Alberta. She toppled a 44-year PC dynasty. And as you mentioned, she essentially helped usher in the era of a two-party legacy in Alberta. Like, what do you suppose people will remember her most fondly for? Oh, golly, I guess it depends on where you are on the political spectrum. But uh, uh they won't remember her fondly at all for the carbon tax, perhaps, or, or some will. Once again, it depends on your <laughs> your spot on, on the spectrum. Uh, she seems herself to be most proud of phasing out coal uh, and getting the environmental agenda started. She doesn't talk about the carbon tax at all now for good reason. That was one of her biggest politi- political mistakes, bringing it in without mentioning it in the 2015 election campaign. Uh, but but um, raising the minimum wage is also a big one with her. I think lots of people out there working at minimum wage will remember and thank her thank her for that. And other social things she's done, like launching the daycare program and, and things like that. I think that's what she would hinge her. And, and many people would perhaps recall with some gratitude. Yeah. And obviously, as you mentioned, she made a lot of people angry during her tenure. Um, the carbon tax you mentioned, I for some Albertans, they may recall the, the farm labor bill, Bill 6, from early in the NDP's term in, in government. What do you feel were her biggest missteps while in government and afterward? I really think that Bill 6 was her biggest misstep because it it was uh, absolutely existential, or at least it was seen as such all over rural Alberta. Uh, already, even though they'd elected a few rural MLAs like uh, uh, from up around Grand Prairie and, and places, they had some rural MLAs. Uh, Bill 6 so gravely offended the sort of traditions of farming in rural Alberta in the interest of farm worker safety, which was a very you know good thing to advocate for sure, um, that uh, that didn't go away. That 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 is still why... And there's two two reasons, in my view, why she lost this election. One of them was Bill 6, all the way back in 2016, because that never went away. It just turned rural Alberta against her completely. So she wasn't going to win rural Alberta. The polls showed it, and indeed it didn't, didn't, didn't happen. And the other mistake, in my view, was um, uh, in a certain very particular part of the province. I'm talking about inner city Calgary, a half a dozen ridings where there were a lot of old PCs who didn't like Smith, who were going to vote um, NDP. You know, some of them even held meetings. Uh, longtime progressive conservatives held meetings to say they were going to vote NDP. And then she comes out with a business tax increase. Okay. Now, that's not the biggest deal in the world. It's maybe not a bad policy. But it just brought back that impression that the NDP is a high tax party and she lost those. Uh, she lost, you know, maybe 100 votes in each of these writings, maybe 100, maybe 1,000. But it was enough, in my view, and in the view of a lot of people in the party, to tip the balance. So those two mistakes, Bill 6 and, and the way, the kind of awkward phasing of the campaign and that didn't seem quite as firm and and its direction and so forth is the last time in that and that move in my view is what did it we'll be right back i found the last election interesting to to cover and to observe Uh, we had an alberta government that had 
ticked a lot of people off during COVID. It, it seemed at times you had the UCP who threw the early days of COVID playing both sides, trying to say that we're here to protect public health and, and making all these measures that made a lot of people on the right or people who were anti-government mad. And then uh, on the other side of things, you you had a government that seemed to tick off doctors who seemed not to really care about the health concerns. And so it was really Rachel Notley's election to lose. And then ultimately it came down to about 1900 votes in Calgary. You know, they tried to make, put a positive spin on it. We had the largest opposition in Alberta history. We came within 1900 votes of winning, but how big a defeat do you feel that losing that election was for Rachel Notley? Well, it was everything because if, if she had won it, she'd be the premier again. Yeah, it was just, and I think the question now that Rachel's going for the party is going to be, can they replace her? I think there's an existential moment coming for the party. Is it going to fade away or is it going to continue to be strong? And she, that's why she's talking so much about, not so much about her, her triumphs in government or whatever she sees as triumphs in government. She's talking about what the party is now and how strong it is. And she's try, it's almost as if she's trying to convince them that they can remain strong and relevant uh, without her. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating that you mentioned about the, the PC or the rather UCP in the state there. And it's, it's incredible how often the conservative movement in this province has been able to reinvent itself and say, and then campaign against itself. Like basically say, oh, everything, everything those guys did was a crock. Look what they did in healthcare. They put us under all these, all these rules and everything during COVID. And all of a sudden it's like, they're running against, and this happened with with running against Ralph Klein after he left. It happened with running against Allison Redford after she left, and it works. It works every time, except in 2015, when they just couldn't reinvent because Jim Prentice made so many mistakes. <laughs> election before when it wasn't technically even legal by the silly provincial law, and uh, 57, 59 new tax and fee increases, right? So there were other reasons for it, but it was the only time that the the conservatives in Alberta haven't mentioned this extraordinary feat of somehow convincing you that the new premier is something even something totally new. It's a totally new government, even though it's the same old gang and the ministries and everything else. It's it's almost like a political miracle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at at this NDP, it, at the way it exists now, and it's very tied to Rachel Notley. It's very tied to her identity as a politician and as a former premier. I mean, as of this recording, we don't have any declared candidates, though some have positioned themselves for a possible run. And I know that not many people outside of Alberta, national listeners may not know who the names of her more senior MLAs are anyway. So we, we don't need to get in the weeds on who may run or who may not run, but where does the party go after Rachel Notley? Does it campaign against itself? Do candidates come in and say, I want to change the face of the NDP or, or because the party's popularity was so tied to Rachel Notley's popularity, do they have to hold her in a certain reverence in the campaign going forward? Oh, I think they, I think they will. I don't think anybody's going to be going to be running uh, against Rachel, but there is a real question for the party and there's already an internal debate going on in the party about two positions. One of them is stick to the way we've always done this, even though we haven't had a campaign since since 2014 for the leadership. Uh, do it the way we always have. Unions have their built-in uh, representation in a leadership vote, and and the other side the other side of the debate is 
uh, do something new. Try to really broaden the party out. Open up the membership sales to everybody. <laughs> David Parker, Take Back Alberta, is talking about getting his people to buy NDP memberships. Not for a purpose the NDP would enjoy. <laughs> but uh, there, So you can see why there might be some resistance to that, to go out and sell all the memberships you can the way conservatives do. So there's that debate going on, which is fundamentally a debate between uh, uh, mo- being more moderate, more centrist, and being harder left. So those kinds of things are going on in the party, and it, the, the the leader that represents one of those two positions or a blend will be will be interesting to see. Well, yeah, I mean, looking at at how people have viewed the NDP in recent years, there are many who think that the Notley NDP is way too far to the left and too woke and whatever. But there are people who feel that they've moved too far to the center. Is that the biggest challenge for the successor, finding the right position? I, I think the biggest challenge is for somebody to win the party that can gu- guide them through that debate in such a way that they don't simply get slaughtered. Now, I don't know how it looks to you in, in Edmonton, David, and Calgary, if it, if there's much of a, a leftward movement, uh, they'll they'll lose seats. It's, uh, you know, it, if they really start going hard left, they'll maybe in Edmonton, that would be a good thing for some people. So it's a very difficult choice they have to make. And, and Notley has balanced things very carefully and on, only really with the kind of status and stature she had in the party could you get away with some of it, like being, if you look at the context of the national NDP and provincial parties and, and NDP parties in other provinces, they're right on side with the, with the anti-oil agenda in large measure. And Notley has managed to, to balance that and be pro-oil at the same time as she's pro-climate change and so forth. So it's it's quite the balancing act, and uh, the new person will have to be skillful. Rachel Nolley's been in politics for more than 15 years now as an MLA. Do we get any sense that her departure provincially could mean that she's seeking higher office? Could we see a federal run or even a run for the leadership of the federal NDP if Jagmeet Singh were to step aside? Or is this kind of the end of the line for her? Well, she has, I don't think she's decided that, but I don't think it's the end of the line. What, what she does, whether she goes into something in law and labor law or goes on to university or whatever, I don't know. But as far as politics go, it's a very interesting thing happened last week that Anne McGrath, who used to be one of not least key people in the early days and had also been president of the National Party, is now working with Singh. And some people immediately saw this as a sign that somehow Notley has her foot in the door uh, with the federal NDP. And, and I asked her that question the other day when I had an interview with her before the announcement, and she just laughed and said, well, you know, she's she's got a, a big job now and she doesn't has no interest in a bigger one. She has no speculation. And then at the press conference afterwards, Graham Thompson, the columnist, asked her the same question, and she basically just just said uh, she's not making any decisions now. So she didn't rule it out. I think it's quite possible she could run, but I think you know just seeing her as a as a federal MP, I, I'm not so sure of that. I think she'd want something bigger than that if she was going to run, and Singh can't really supply much that's bigger uh, unless he wins an election, which doesn't seem too likely. I just don't know. But uh, but there's certainly lots of things that'll be open to her and she'll have lots of offers. I mean, look at the career of Bed, Bed Broadbent who passed away, launched on after he retired from politics. Some kind of thing like that might be available to her. I mean, she might even get an appointment from Justin Trudeau, which would absolutely thrill so many Albertans. <laughs> well, I mean, talking about Justin Trudeau, 
right now it would it would feel for people who who observe Alberta politics that Danielle Smith is at an advantage locally because she has a foil in Ottawa with with Justin Trudeau and his alliance with NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. We could see an election in the next year, but at least we're going to see one in 2025. Could a defeat of the Liberals actually help the NDP regardless of who is is running the party at that point? Could could the loss of the the common enemy that a lot of people feel that we have in Ottawa and Justin Trudeau, could that help the provincial NDP by giving them a foil to fight against in Ottawa, in Pierre Poiliev? I, you know, Albertans somewhat like Quebecers uh, like to play their cards carefully, uh, sort of as a group. Uh, so, so often the government's in opposition to, to Ottawa. Uh, so somebody who, uh, for a lot of moderate Albertans, some people who don't care for Poilier might well be uh, inclined to support the NDP in Alberta. If the, if the NDP might be the government in Alberta, so maybe some people are going to want an oppositional uh, kind of government rather than having a, uh, you know, Daniel Smith and and uh, Poilier singing hymns together every day. Um, so yeah, I think there's some some something to that that the the NDP could actually. Uh, do fairly well if uh, the Conservatives take over in Ottawa, which to my mind uh, at this point, Dave, seems almost inevitable. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the Liberals get out of this. No, that's true. And it'll be interesting to see how how the next federal election goes. But I think even more fascinating, and I know I say this every time I have you or one of your uh, Alberta colleagues on the show, that it's never a dull moment in Alberta politics. (laughs) No, you know, and for many years, when I first started covering in Alberta in 1978, uh, it was so dull that I used to wait for dust motes to collide in the legislature hallways <laughs> uh, for just for some action because it was such a, a one-party state. And, you know, there's a column in the National Post uh, just just uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, saying that, you know, Notley has divided the province and it used to be such a, a, a cohesive polity we have in Alberta and all the rest of it. And I, I didn't agree with it because it really has been a remarkable feat of conservative governments to keep the lid on for years and years and years, even back in the day when when Lougheed was so strong and uh, later regimes, there always was trouble on the right. Every single time there's trouble on the right. So we're not, go- you know, we're not going back to some kind of placid uh, uh, conservative only regime in this province. I don't think that's on the cards. All right. Well, I guess we'll see how things go in this race and in the years, uh, months and years ahead in the in the provincial landscape in Alberta. Don, thanks for your time. Thanks a lot, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Don Braid. More of his columns are available at calgaryherald.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <music>